Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together, to worship together, to be focused on your word. Lord, help us not be distracted during this time. Help us to hear from you and understand from you what it means for you to have grace for us, for what it means for you to have grace for the world. And Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit during these next few moments. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Over the last few weeks we've been talking about waiting well and waiting well today is waiting well with grace. And in fact, waiting well with grace um, connects to some of the other points that we've had. We've had waiting well with patience. I don't know if you've ever had to sit at a bus stop or sit waiting for something or sit for a plane. Um, A couple of times I've made plane trips and they've been delayed and you're sitting in the airport and you have to wait. When I went to Mongolia, I had the transition from um, Beijing and I had to sit and wait for a while. I became agitated. I wanted things to hurry up. And when I want things to hurry up, I don't usually have much grace for myself or grace for others. And so today, as we look at today's reading, as today's focus, we're looking at God calling us to wait well with grace, to wait well with the grace that he has given us. From our passage from Romans, we heard, Now to him who was able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. This ending, this part of Romans really reminds us that God has grace for us, that our relationship with him is totally dependent on his grace. And therefore the key message of Christianity is that life totally depends on God's grace. There's a lot of stuff that comes with Christianity. Some people grab hold of the rituals and make that the most important. Some people grab hold of the ethical, moral stuff, and make that the most important. Now, all those play a role within our life as Christians. Some people grab hold of their traditions. Some people grab hold of other things. And all these things can be helpful. But we should never lose sight of this fact that the key message of Christianity is this, that our life depends totally on God's grace. From Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, we hear, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Think about what that means as you live as a Christian. Think about how important God wants you to know that your relationship with him is not dependent on anything else but his grace. And so some things to ponder, some things to think about is how much do you appreciate the grace that God has for you? Think about deeply, how much do you appreciate the grace that God has for you? As you sit, as you think about life, as you think about your future, what does it mean for you that God has abundant grace for you, a grace that never runs out, a grace that never gives up on you. And the second question to think about and ponder is, how is God's grace for you shaping how you live with and respond to others? 
Remember, as I said a couple of weeks ago, we are missionaries on this world. We are missionaries on this world to bear whatever God, whoever God is, whatever God has given us, to reflect God's grace in this world. So think about what it means for how your life is shaped. How is God's grace for you shaping how you live with and respond to others? I found it quite interesting over the last few weeks when it's come to very public things about the coronavirus. And we saw it this week, how some people respond with a very judgmental, wrathful, legalistic approach to what's going on. Even this week with that particular band, the immediate response from a few people was to actually blast them and to say how evil and how bad they were, when in fact, what has come out, they were simply victims. And they too had been people who had caught the coronavirus and didn't even know they had it and continued to do their work. And one of their members had caught it. And yet some of the people attacked them, and that's not being graceful. And yet some of our politicians displayed unbelievable grace. They came out and said, look, it's not their fault that this has happened. Think about how is God's grace for you shaping how you live with and respond to others. Now, when we look at grace and we throw this word around a lot, just so, and most people understand this, but just so we have a kind of a basic understanding, you'll see the word grace in the English Bible appear both in the Old and the New Testament. Therefore, there's words for grace in the Hebrew and the Greek. The Hebrew is hen, and someone jokingly said, uh, it's good, the great word for in the Hebrew is hen, because it's like a mother hen who will always have love for the children. But that's not what the Hebrew means. It's not that hen mean. But the other word is charis or charisma or has grace. And what it basically means in the scriptures from the Old and the New Testament is this. Grace means undeserved favour from a superior to an inferior. In other words, somebody who is superior doing something that they don't have to do for an inferior. There's this sense of generosity and love. They don't do it out of control. They don't do it out of trying to get something out of you. They do it out of generosity and love. And for us as Christians, divine grace can only be revealed through Jesus. Divine grace can only be revealed through Jesus. Even the grace that we show to others can only perfectly come because of our relationship with Jesus. And that's why we encourage you to be filled with God's word, with God's spirit, to, to worship regularly, to dive into the Bible, so you are more equipped to be God's graceful missionaries in this world. So waiting well with grace, first of all, involves reflecting on and appreciating the grace God has for you. It starts with you understanding the grace that God has for you. Think about this. Consider what has God done for you? What is God doing for you? And what will God do for you in the future? If you think that life in the past, in the present or the future is more about what you do and how hard you work, you will miss out on understanding and appreciating the grace that God has for you. How much God will forgive you and love you no matter what happens. The second thing 
is consider that there is nothing you could do to obtain what God gives you completely. There's nothing you could do to obtain what God gives you. And the third thing is consider the future God has made possible for you. Consider the future promises that God reveals to us in John 14 and in Revelation 21 and 22, the promise of this gift of eternal life, a life where you're going to be with your loving Heavenly Father, a life where there'll be no more suffering, sin or pain, a life where you won't have to worry or stress whether life's going to get more difficult or not. It's going to get better. So consider the future God has made possible for you, a future that is only possible because Jesus came to earth at Christmas. And so as we think about Jesus' first coming at Christmas, and as we think about Jesus' second coming, which for us is far more important, we are thinking about the two events that bring God's grace back into the world. And we should view both of these events as a loving God coming into this world to save the world. From John chapter 1, verse 17, we hear, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And from John 10, verse 10, Jesus says to us, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, or some versions say abundantly. Both Jesus' first coming at Christmas and Jesus' second coming are graceful moments, are moments where God is coming into this world to reveal his grace, to save all those who trust him, no matter what they've done. And so as we prepare for Christmas, think about Christmas and think about that wonderful gift. You know, Jesus came, but the story didn't stop with a baby in a manger, did it? It continued for 30 odd years and we know what happened we know and that's why we have crosses throughout the church to reveal to us and to remind us of what God has done for us but more importantly as we live on this earth now God has going to come again with grace and say you are my loved child you have followed me you believe in me you are welcome into my loving heavenly kingdom And so waiting well with grace is about understanding and appreciating what God has done for us. But it also is about understanding and appreciating that God is calling us to be involved in reflecting and dropping his grace into the world. You know those air misters, those water bottles that you can fill with water and pump out mist? Um, Our lives should be like those. We should have our lives filled with God's grace constantly. But as we go around, we should be sharing God's grace to everybody to bring them refreshment. You see, our life waiting well involves also allowing God's grace to be experienced by others through you. From Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, you see this come together where it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And some Christians actually stop there. And I've heard Christians say, I'm not going to go and work and do and serve somebody else because I want them to know that it's by grace. 
right? That I am saved by grace. It's not about how good I am, but that means they haven't read the next part of this message. And the next part is this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. As we live our life, we have this wonderful gift, this wonderful opportunity to be bearers of God's grace in the world. Think about all the situations you are involved in and how many of them have God's grace. How many of them are situations where you can drop God's grace into the world? And from Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 to 6, we hear, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. This Christmas, I'd encourage you to think about, am I really revealing God's grace to the world or am I following the world's approach to God's grace? Am I, I shouldn't say a world's approach to God's grace, which is really either abuse of grace or the world's approach to Christmas is, I'll give you a gift so long as you've been nice to me. I'll give you a gift so long as you've given me one. But does that truly reflect the grace of God that we see through Jesus Christ? A grace where Jesus, God comes into this world, not because we deserve it, but because we need it. So are there people in your life that need God's grace? Are there people in their life that may be rubbing you up against the wrong way? And perhaps your response could be one of grace? Are there things happening in your life where you feel like judging people? When maybe if we take a step back and think and pray for them and ask them, can you help them? It could be a way of showing God's grace. Are there situations where people are gossiping and saying how bad certain people are when they actually don't know the facts? When you could say, hold on a moment. Wouldn't it be better to pray for them? Wouldn't it be better to help them if we can? We have this wonderful grace that God has given to us. But grace is not meant to be something we hold on tightly ourselves and keep to ourselves and say, thank you God for your grace, I'm going to heaven. Grace is supposed to be something that we allow to affect our relationships with other people. So what might graceful waiting look like? How might we go about graceful waiting? First of all, the most important thing is is to focus on Jesus. Not yourselves or your circumstances. When I focus on my circumstances, when I focus on when things are not going well or what's not right in my life, it's very difficult for me to live in grace with other people. It's very difficult for me to even have great understanding of God's grace for myself. But when I focus on Jesus, when I get back to the word and listen to Jesus, we start to see God revealing his grace to us. 
Secondly, consider what God is up to in every situation. And sometimes God, remember, doesn't act as fast as we would like him. But take time to think about what is God up to in every situation. This week, we had some news we didn't want to hear in Sydney. We had some news, particularly on the northern beaches, and we've had to cancel our Christmas carols this evening. We had Christmas carols at 2 o'clock for the Finnish people, and over 50 people were coming. We had Christmas carols in the evening planned. We've had to cancel them at the last minute. And we're not quite sure what's going to happen over the next few days. But can I encourage you and pray that you pray that you see what is God up to? What is God doing? How might God be at work amongst something that's uncomfortable, something we don't like, something that's about what some people will jump to the conclusions that oh, people are trying to stop the gospel being spread. But maybe God could be up to something. Thirdly, then ask, how might God be calling me to share his grace with others through my attitude, my words and my actions? When people don't meet our expectations, how might we respond to that with grace? Now this is not, you know, some people go, well, I don't trust Christian grace because it means people can get away with stuff. But there are ways to deal with people who are not living up to expectations, not doing what they're supposed to do, but doing it in a graceful way. And so I encourage you to think about is ask, how might God be calling me to share his grace with others through my attitude, through my words, through my actions? And the fourth point, to wait well with grace, be aware that as you wait, things like the law, things like efficiency, Things like other outcomes will strive for your attention. But instead of them being masters of you, make them servants of God's grace. Make them servants of God's grace. Keep putting grace. God's grace is the main message, the main thing that we need to be revealing to the world. Because we know from the scriptures that ultimately the law will fail. We know from the scriptures that ultimately other agendas are only temporary. But what we do know from the scriptures is God's grace gives us a permanent place in heaven. And lastly, remember this, that the main agenda of God is salvation. As I was preparing for this, I read a number of articles and one article is from a gentleman who's been a Christian all his life and he used to feel that God's grace was about making him and making others more holy and perfect Christians from the perspective that they would not sin. And he said the worst thing about that was the more he thought that, the more he understood he needed God's grace because he was never getting there. But then as he read passages like Titus 2, 11, 2 Peter 3, verse 8 to 15, he started to realize God's grace may make you a better person, but that's not the ultimate aim of God to make you a, a better person on this earth. The ultimate aim of God is to save you. That is the gift of Christmas. That's why Jesus came at Christmas. 
is to save you. But not only save you, save everyone else you know. So as you think about God's grace, think about what it's about. It's about saving you. And I'd like to end on this little story that I've come across that shows grace is the real power in the world. As I mentioned, some people, and I've had it said to me, oh, we don't like grace or grace is not that good because it means things don't happen. It's not that powerful. Well, the truth is if we think about the ultimate story of God, we see that grace builds relationships. But from another perspective, grace is real power. Has any of you seen the Schindler's List? There's an episode in the Schindler's List where Gothi's talking to another gentleman who's a bit drunk and he says this, Power is when someone has every justification to kill a criminal but doesn't and instead pardons them. That is grace. That is what God has done for you and me. God has every power to condemn us, but he doesn't. He pardons us and saves us. And he doesn't just save us and leave us in a mess. He saves us and says, come and join me for eternity in heaven. Come and join me and be around me and my love forever. And as Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 25 remind us, for all have sinned and fall shorter of the glory of God, but all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So as you gather for Christmas, as you celebrate Christmas, as you read the Christmas story, as you share Christmas cards, as you sing Christmas carols, as you meet with others, hopefully this Christmas, may you remember the reason that we get together to celebrate this is to celebrate the greatest gift of all, that God has saved us, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but because he loved us and has grace for us. That is the gift that comes to us through Jesus. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of Christmas, the gift of Jesus that gives us grace. Lord, as we live in our life, pour down your Holy Spirit on us and help us to always remember the grace you have for us. Help us to always appreciate that grace. And Heavenly Father, may we reflect that grace in the world. Even though we don't do it perfectly, may you use us broken, imperfect people to show your grace to a world which is often missing grace. Lord, we thank you for all those people who have shown grace to us. And we thank you for ultimately for the grace you have for us. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.